the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yeah, first of all, welcome to our third hour on Tuesday, which brings us Lewis and Hugh Holman. Lewis is out today. He'll be back next week. He extends his apologies. He's fine. He just had a um, a, a commitment uh, that he couldn't uh, couldn't break. Hugh Holman is, of course, the former mayor of Tempe, an attorney in town, a civic leader, educator, and a lot of other things. Political I don't has been. I, no, I wouldn't say that. Never th- was. Okay. No, I would say it's uh, a future that um, is going to be very helpful in saving our society. But let me just <laughs> how it works around here. I don't know how you all do it. It's amazing to stay up on everything, how hard it is to stay up on everything. I come in on any given day thinking I have a series of stories that are important and meaningful. And then Hugh walks in and he says, have you seen this, 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 and this? I haven't. And then I showed him uh, this, 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 and this. He hadn't seen. It's hard to stay up on things, Hugh. But you did me a... uh, It's called getting hijacked is what it's called. Hijacked. But you did something that's going to change my life. Because I'm someone who believes, I think you are too, that books can change your lives. Can change books. Good books can change lives. Bad books can change lives too. Um, and you brought me four P.J. O'Rourke books because you had given me the fifth one some time ago. I mentioned it on air last week. I was kind of rediscovering P.J. O'Rourke as an adult. I was aware of his work as a when I was younger. I just I'm sure this has happened to you. You catch up later. It's just someone you realize you neglected at your own at your own peril, and you catch up later. So I'm going through P.J. O'Rourke's oeuvre now, and I thank you for handing me. You've, uh, you've, you've been a longtime fan. You did not let his uh, career pass you by. No, I uh, was given the Republican Party reptile by my older brother about 30 years ago yeah. and uh, uh, laughed out loud hysterically late into the night and uh, then read Holidays in Hell, which is another similar book. It's a collection of his... Uh, writings in um, what used to be journals mm-hmm. or magazines and uh, hysterical stuff. But he has written a couple of policy books that are really quite good. And you're reading Eat the Rich, yeah. which is a focus on why uh, some economies work and why some economies don't. And it's a very, very valuable piece. I think it's great reading for anybody who wants to understand uh, the free enterprise system and why it works here and in other a few other places and fails, why its absence causes failure. And then uh, he also has a policy book that he wrote about international works that I think is equally good for folks who want to read something that is easy to read but really quite insightful, and it's called All the Trouble in the World. Uh, and uh, those two books, if I if I have any uh, anybody who I want to convince that my side is more correct and you don't want to yell at people because you can't ever convince people by yelling and screaming at them. Those are the two books because they are very well written. They're funny and they're good stories about why things work uh, both economically and in international affairs um, from our perspective. Did you ever read a book called The Way the World Works 
by an economist who used to write for the Wall Street Journal, whose name I'll come up with yes. in a minute. It's an odd, odd, slightly odd, yes. unfamiliar name. I'll, I'll come up with it in a minute. I will. As but well. is yeah, is that part and parcel of that, or is P.J. O'Rourke a different level? I say he's different only because he's writing as a humorist first. So he's a really smart guy who is very, very funny. So it's like having a stand-up comedian who can actually give you really good delivery of substance. And uh, the guy you're thinking of is a, yeah, that's yeah. It, is a substantive writer. There are lots of those kind of folks. But the reason I use this with folks who I'm trying to convince that uh, our system of uh, capitalism works and our system of uh, honoring the world works is because he can make them laugh and by doing so overcome their biases. And that's why it's just genius stuff. Uh, and I would encourage anybody to read it. And then he's got a whole host of other books that he's written that are – many of them are collections of his, of his stories. Uh, if, if, if that book is to economics, if his work can be broken down to covering different areas, I will tell you that the best essay I've seen, bar none among any writers I've been privileged to read – on how we won the Cold War but lost the victory of it, if I can say that, is in his book, Give War a Chance. And it's actually the first essay there called The Death of Communism, which he's writing from Berlin. I don't know if you've read it in, in a while, in 1989, talking about the way the American press handled the fall of the Berlin Wall and how mealy-mouthed and weak it was. He said he came back to America and saw... U.S. News and World Report, which was a thing at the time, Time, Newsweek, the magazines at your doctor's offices, wither Europe, uh, wither Europe in the 21st century. And he said, is that really how we did D-Day or V-E Day? Is that really what we were saying? Uh, the black and white pictures of uh, sailors kissing nurses uh, in the victory uh, in Europe, uh, as opposed to how we were wringing our hands over uh, at least the left press was over the loss of the Soviet Union as a wonderful ally. Oops, wait a minute. Were they? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I just think he did a great job with it. And he talks – it brings you to tears what he writes because he's discussing what it meant to the, to the, to the Germans, to the, to the East Germans seeking to be free and how it just fell – so coldly here. Can I just give a please? Can I, can I do a little of this? Yeah, I wish this you would. PGO work. I know it's not what we planned, but uh, some of the best stuff never is. It's right. It's going to bring me to Kazakhstan in a moment. So All right. Ahead. All right. If we ha if we have to do that, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand it until just then when I saw a border guard's hand. He's talking about the Berlin Wall having fallen in a hand. I think there are a lot of people who haven't gotten it yet. Our own President Bush seems to regard the events in Eastern Europe as some kind of odd dance craze or something. When I got back to the United States, I was looking through the magazines and newspapers, and it seemed that all I saw were editorial writers pulling long faces about whither a united Germany and whence America's adjustments to the new realities in Europe. Is that the kind of noise people were making in Times Square on VE Day? I say shut up, you egghead flapgums. We've got the whole rest of history to sweat the small stuff. And this, those discredited peace creeps, they can zip their soup coolers, too. They think Mikhail Gorbachev is a visionary. Yeah, he's a visionary like Hirohito was after Nagasaki. We won, and let's not let anybody forget it. We the people, the free and equal citizens of democracies, we living exemplars of the rights of man tore a new <clears throat> in international communism. Their wall is breached. Their gut string is busted. The rot of their dead body politic fills the nostrils of the earth with a glorious stink. We cleaned the clock of Marxism. We mopped the floor with them. We ran the reds through the ringer and hung them out to dry. 
the privileges and liberty and sanctity of the individual went out and whipped butt. That is P.J. O'Rourke. That's how we should have celebrated. And and he writes that way directly, clearly, fiercely about why this country is great, why the economic system we uh, fostered here is great, and why our foreign policy uh, objectives often are really terrific. Mm-hmm. And truly, it is that sense of welling up in my uh, in my soul when I read his writing like that that I will tell you. That's why I fell in love with Kazakhstan. I got there uh, 13 months after the Soviet Union fell and met a people, a class of people, a whole race of folks who were yearning to be free, had gotten free, and they knew they did not want to let the former Soviet quagmire suck them back in. And they reached out to the United States first off, and they are continuing to do so on a near daily basis. And it's a country that we need to know more about because they're one of our most valuable allies. Right right up uh, against China, they're immediately to the west of China and immediately to the south of Russia. The longest border on the planet between two countries is the border between Kazakhstan and Russia. Kazakhstan's half the size of the United States. Mineral wealth, the second largest oil basin in the world outside of the Middle East. And they like us. When I got there and would go uh, meet with people and would be invited into homes, they had two things consistently. They had a, a family tree. So Kazakhstan is a tribal society. So everybody knows what their seven-generational family is so that they don't marry within their tribe and uh, for so they don't become the jug-headed British royal family um, <laughs> and, and bleed to We're going to – I don't know if I'll have a job And secondly, it's okay. <laughs> they had pictures of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. 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 They knew what they wanted to become, yeah. and they are still yearning to do that. They're in their 30-year experiment. And, and but you knew what you were doing, too. You knew what you were doing when the fall of the Berlin Wall came. It makes me well up when I think about why you went to Kazakhstan. 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 We'll get Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. I, I do the, I do the that's, Yiddish. That's <laughs> Kazakhstan. Why you went there, it's a hell of a, think, a thing you did because you saw opportunity to actually – uh, solidify democracy there, and you didn't want us to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. That's exactly it. In fact, uh, looking toward those people, it is that I wanted to honor the commitment I'd made to President Reagan and the efforts he made to win that war. Lovely. We'll do COVID when we come back. We'll be right back. This is, as far as I know, Hugh Hallman, the only song with the name Seth in it. I can't think of another song with the name Seth in it. How There's a lot of songs with Hugh, huh? How unfortunate. Yeah. No, there aren't a lot of songs with Hugh. Yes, there no, are. there are not. <laughs> okay. Where are we on uh, the pandemic of our age? Let's do COVID just yeah. for a bit because that is the stock and trade, and yeah. I have to honor Lewis's uh, absence here by doing the numbers myself. You can't go to a Maynard Ferguson concert and expect him not to do MacArthur Park. Exactly. 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 You can't have Hugh Holman in here and not talk about COVID. So we'll be quick about COVID uh, because the the outline of what we got to do is give you some numbers real quick, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, can you go out with MacArthur Park? <laughs> then we want to talk about the COVID hypocrisy that is running amok in our society now uh, and then uh, make fun of Europeans eventually on this subject. 
and then, more important, we want to talk about what COVID and the crazy behaviors of our federal government and some state governments have done to our labor participation rates and what that even means. That is, who's willing to take a job right now? So COVID, in the state of Arizona, we have the same non-news that we've had for a long time. It continues to slowly peter out. Uh, ICU hospital beds, we had... Um, uh, 528 people in our ICU beds that had COVID. We had 1,120 people who didn't have COVID. In fact, that's where the surge was. We were down to 7% of our beds empty, yeah. not because we had a bunch more COVID patients, but we had a bunch of people not with COVID in those beds. Yeah. So either you've got a bunch of elective surgeries coming in and making hospitals money, or you've got a sudden surge of, uh, of folks falling ill for other reasons. Same is true with the inpatient beds. We have 21% of those beds with COVID patients. Uh, 72% with non-COVID patients and 7% empty, again, because there was a huge surge in non-COVID patients. Uh, but I, I give you those numbers because uh, and, and went through them quickly because we're talking about 30% in the ICU and 21% in inpatient beds who have COVID. And we have long talked about the fact that isn't it interesting that hospitals got a 20% kicker for patients who are on uh, Medicaid, Medicare that have COVID. So they test everyone. You come in for a hip surgery and you test positive for SARS-CoV-2. You have no symptoms. We call that an asymptomatic case, but you're knocked up or written down as a COVID patient. <laughs> yeah, that's another problem. And so you're, right. a, you're a hip surgery that tests positive for COVID, not somebody with symptoms. Well, the CDC has never wanted to talk about that. We've begged the state, we've begged the feds to do some studies about how many people out here have asymptomatic cases, meaning they have, uh, they've, they've got SARS-CoV-2, the virus, but they don't have any symptoms. The oldest studies we know of, and they haven't been done again recently, uh, nine and ten months ago, LA and- were between L.A. and you had New York, you had Northern California. Between 50 and 80 percent of all cases are asymptomatic. Why do we care about that? Because what that tells us is these COVID numbers in hospitals are just as likely to be non, non-symptomatic as, uh, as anybody else. And so how many of these are hip surgeries? How many of these people were heart attacks and just happened to test positive with COVID? But more important, the mortality rate. You don't take the number of people who have died over the number of people who've tested positive because they're symptomatic. You take the number of people who've died over everybody. The population. That's not the the entire population. No, you take it over all people who have been exposed to COVID-19, all asymptomatic cases and all people with symptoms. That is, you have to be exposed before you should be determining whether or not you've got a risk for death. I've criticized you and others who say take the whole population because that's not fair. That understates the mortality rate because you're not including, you're not taking into account the fact that half the population may never have been exposed. That's like saying in the first month the mortality rate is very, very low because 95% of the population has never been exposed yet. You want fairly to know the total people who've been exposed, got the virus, didn't have symptoms, and use that to divide the number of people who've died. The CDC won't do that until now. Until now. Until now. In, we're in fact, you could be deplatformed for making these points. Yes, that's situations. correct. Somebody making the points I've made I gets been. kicked I off I made of, the point on YouTube and got canceled. Oh, well, I, I, I made the point on uh, NPR okay. and got canceled. Okay. okay. That's, in fact, if you recall, how I ended up doing your show is that NPR <laughs> originally had me on it because I was doing real data, and then I got off their narrative. Yeah. I said, wait a minute. The right way to be calculating mortality is to take the total number of all cases – 
and divide death by that. Well, if you do that, you're down to about a 0.4 mortality, not a 2% mortality, as is reported by the Arizona Department of Health Services or by the CDC. The mortality is not 2%. It's at worst 0.4. But then, and this is the second point we've made continuously from the beginning and get you kicked off NPR and off of YouTube and everything else, and that is the U.S. uses a 60-day standard. If you tested positive any time in the last 60 days with SARS-CoV-2 and dropped dead of a heart attack, or let's say we're in a car accident and killed, you're still marked down as a COVID death. That's now, what I would get canceled for saying. You'd get canceled for right. saying that. Right. Until now. Until now. And what is the until now? The until now is now we've got a whole bunch of crows at the national level wanting to protect their vaccination scheme. They said you had to go out and get vaccinated. The only way to stop this is get vaccinated. If everybody would get vaccinated, if you would only wear your mask and get vaccinated, we'd be out of this. And interestingly, recall... We then got this interesting trend. We started being told that even if you're vaccinated, you should wear a mask. But the CDC would not admit why they were saying that. We talked about it on this show, that it's because if you're vaccinated, you could still carry the virus. Well, that's called a breakthrough case now. Months and months and months and months ago, we were talking about the fact that the reason the CDC is asking people who are vaccinated to wear masks is because you could still carry the virus. And they were lying to the American population in order to encourage everybody to get vaccinated, that that somehow would prevent you from having live virus or contaminating other people. It's a lie. They wouldn't admit it. As Lewis says, it's because they have algebra brains in a calculus world. They can only think of one dynamic at a time and convince people of one thing at a time. And for, for a while there, it was, you got to wear a mask. And then it was, you got to get vaccinated. Well, now we know the truth. The truth started coming out of Israel this summer when they did uh, studies that showed that vaccines were declining in their efficacy and that by six months, the efficacy of a vaccine was at about 34 percent. Well, now the CDC is finally catching up. These same people who were criticizing the Trump administration for not moving quickly enough on all the important things they thought they should do and shut down the economy have taken four months to figure out that the vaccines aren't perfect. Actually, since May 1st, they've been lying to you since May 1st. They lied for about two months. Then by July, started talking about the fact that we have breakthrough cases. Now they've stopped counting breakthrough cases. That's the issue. That's a hugely important issue. Let's talk about it. Here's the hypocrisy of COVID. Here is from your very own CDC. They are now monitoring breakthrough cases. What is a breakthrough case? Anybody who's been vaccinated? Actually, I don't think they are anymore. I think they're only monitoring monitoring hospitalizations. Well, so let me give you the whole deal. Here's what they're saying. If you have detected SARS-CoV-2 after you've been vaccinated at least 14 days. So that was their whole test. They are now encouraging, finally, people down to age 54 to get get, um, booster shots. But what is the hypocrisy about it? Well, you're going to have to listen after the break because we need to go through this a little carefully so your listeners really understand the nonsense that's been fed to the left and that their friends out there are beating them up for not getting vaccinated, not wearing masks. I have a lot to say about this with you. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Hugh Hallman is our guest, as he is every Tuesday, usually with Lewis. He'll be back with us next week. Hugh, uh, let's go back to something you said having to do with population testing, which our governments simply won't do. Two local governments did, L.A. and New York, at one point, probably over a year ago, about a year ago. San Jose County. Uh, What did I say? 
and L.A., San Jose County. It was L.A. and San Jose. That's right. And Queens, right? Uh, Correct. Yeah. And the, the reason I'm guessing that it won't be undertaken anywhere else and the reason it hasn't been is precisely what you said. There's a lot of asymptomatic cases running around this society, any 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 society in America, that just will never know whether they had COVID, but is a 50% chance, maybe it's a 30% chance, but it's somewhere in there, somewhere between 25 and 50% chance they've already had it. It's it's higher than that. So the the studies we have, the three. All right. Well, let me just make my point. Let's make assume it's higher 50, than that. Fifty to eighty percent. Let's say fifty to eighty percent may have had it that we don't know about that they don't know about. If that's true, and all the data points in that direction thus far, and what Israel Israel has found out is true, which is having COVID is stronger immunity than having the vaccine. There's your reason for not wanting to do these population studies, we may be at herd immunity pretty close to now. So what you are seeing currently, and this is my observation, I've been around the country quite a bit, uh, and as you know, I've been in other places in, uh, around the world. Folks are done with the masking. Folks are done with the restrictions. Even in, in totalitarian societies, they're just done. And yet, even here in Arizona, where now restaurants, rarely do you see a person wearing a mask, go into the stores, go into grocery stores, go wherever you want to. It's a rare place that now requires a mask, and very few people are, quote, compliant, unquote. And yet our COVID numbers are falling. So the the case rates are falling. But leave it to the state of Arizona, for example. They want, still want to drive fear, fear and surprise. We had um, reported today 108 Deaths reported today, but you know how many of them were actually today? Zero. How many were yesterday? One. So these are deaths over the last 21 months that they're just churning out of the death certificates, scaring the hell out of people that there's 108 deaths reported today, and the number for today or yesterday was quite few. That's the kind of continuous uh, scheming that's going on to as Lewis would say, push us to be the cattle and move us into 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 our pens. So I, I think you're absolutely right. The um, I would say it's the medical industrial complex that does not want to let go of this crisis. Uh, certainly, people who are getting paid three hundred dollars a test for testing that costs twenty bucks, and uh, insurance companies are mandated to pay that price because they have to pay whatever the published price is on the website. Mm-hmm. So, published three hundred eighty-five dollars, char- uh, get paid that. The insurance company has to pay for that. You and I are paying for it all because it's coming out of Medicaid, Medicare, and backfill, thanks to Barack Obama. And yet, that's what's going on. So I think you're correct. Nobody wants to get the information that would help us reduce the stress and the crisis that we have. Continuing on this theme of the hypocrisy, then, you've got people who don't want information that would reduce the stress and reduce the crisis. You've got the CDC who told us that we should never talk about the fact that we've got asymptomatic cases, which would then reduce the mortality rate because that would reduce the crisis that we're in. They said that we should uh, uh, not talk about people who are being hospitalized for other things and yet test positive for. And now what are they doing? Here is actually from the CDC website. It started really with uh, the state of California being honest about the fact that breakthrough cases that they were citing uh, also included people who were hospitalized for reasons unrelated to their COVID-19. And now the CDC finally, after 
months and months of telling people like me that we were dishonest by raising the issue about the fact that you, uh, people are being tested in hospitals for COVID-19. Here's actually what the CDC now says. They have collected data on breakthrough cases. They've stopped collecting data on all breakthrough cases and are now only collecting data for hospitalization and death. Who's running this circus? And now they drop a footnote in their own report that says this, quote, it includes cases in which patients did not have symptoms of COVID-19 or their hospitalization or death was not COVID related. For example, people may be hospitalized for reasons other than COVID-19, such as an automobile accident and test positive when screened on hospitalization. Please don't count people who are there for hip surgery if they're uh, fully vaccinated and test positive. But we want to do that all day long if you've not been vaccinated to scare the hell out of everybody. I have a lot to say about that. And I want to kind of pick on Arizona a little bit because I, you tell me if I'm wrong on the other side of this break. I just don't think it's excusable that the Arizona Department of Health isn't giving us breakthrough information and data. I just think the only way you know about breakthrough deaths and hospitalizations in this country is when the occasional reporter writes it up. You do not get it from the dashboard at Arizona Department of Health. And they, as non-numerics, also get it wrong most of the time and understate it. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Marty McCary is probably one of the most respected physicians in the country, professor at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, uh, tremendously published author and peer review author as well. You often see him in the Wall Street Journal and on Fox News. Uh, he's actually been the physician to several people I know back on the East Coast. They all rave about him. He had a column a couple weeks ago, Hugh, uh, about the incredible lack of data the CDC is giving us. I was putting it on some of this on the Arizona Department of Health Services, which I will again in a moment. But he said, for example, sound data, let me quote him, sound data from the CDC has been especially lacking on natural immunity from prior COVID infection. On August 25th, Israel published the most powerful and scientifically rigorous study on the subject to date. In a sample of more than 700,000 people, natural immunity was 27 times more effective than vaccinated immunity in preventing symptomatic infections. Despite this evidence, the U.S. public health officials continue to dismiss natural immunity, insisting that those who have recovered from COVID must still get the vaccine. Meanwhile, employers fire workers with natural immunity who won't get vaccinated in schools, disenroll students who won't comply. This is madness. Who's running this circus is a good question. And you continue to see that throughout what they're doing. So, for example, I criticized you earlier in the show and others <laughs> ab- about the fact that you should not be dividing the total number of dead from COVID by the entire U.S. population because it's not taking into account a bunch of people never got exposed. So their risk of dying from the disease should not properly be taken into account because they couldn't have died from the disease. They were never exposed. But now what's the CDC doing after uh, telling people like me that uh, we're terrible for just asking for all the real data on total number of cases, asymptomatics and not, as the proper way to to, uh, determine mortality, which from my calculations, Lewis's calculations, it runs to about 0.4, which is twice the flu. But remember, the U.S. is counting people who have 
tested positive for 60 days. So if you're in an automobile accident and died on day 58 but had been tested positive, you're a COVID death. Now the CDC says that's okay. We ought to be taking that idea into account, but only if you've been vaccinated and then test positive, that we shouldn't count that as a COVID death if you've been vaccinated, only if you've not been vaccinated. So if you die in a car accident and you're vaccinated, it shouldn't be COVID death. But if you die in a car accident and we're not vaccinated, it'll be a COVID death. That's how crazy this is. Complete hypocrisy. Another simple way to put it is if your death can jack up COVID fatalities, we're going to use it. If, only however, if you're not however, vaccinated. However, if it jacks up. A COVID fatality after vaccination, we're going to delete it That's or qualify it. California Public Health Department went the same way. Among post-vaccinated cases identified, they say, quote, at least 622 people have died. However, they don't even put it in a footnote. However, it is unknown if the primary cause of death in these cases was COVID-19 or if there were other contributory or alternative causes. Well, but That's the C- what got me yeah, banned. The CDC is now putting that kind of data together, but they're now only looking at people who were hospitalized or died. They will not look at everybody because, again, it's to your point. It would help us understand the value of being vaccinated versus the value of natural immunity and get a better understanding of it. But what, I'm guessing what, they're undercounting, by but the way. Have, ha, absolutely. Having made fun of the fact that you shouldn't take the total dead and divide it by total population because it doesn't count people who have been ex- not been exposed. It sh- you shouldn't count people who have not been exposed because they don't have a chance to die that way. Uh, they are now using the number to say, here are the total number of people who have been vaccinated and using that to divide the po- total number of people who have gotten breakthrough cases and saying that that makes sense. That's just as stupid. Why? Because a whole bunch of people who have been vaccinated have not been exposed to SARS-CoV-2. And counting people who have never been exposed, even though they've been vaccinated, is unfair as a count. And it diminishes uh, the the. Uh, total number of breakthrough cases is a percent of breakthrough cases. What we do know from Oregon and what Lewis calculated from Maricopa County alone is that we're now looking at about something like uh, eight, uh, one-eighth to one-sixth of all cases are now breakthrough cases. Why? Because people who've been vaccinated have been vaccinated a long time, and it's much more likely you get a breakthrough case if you're six or seven months out from your vaccine. That's why we've been saying we're libertarian in this. Please, CDC, stop playing games with our lives. If I want to get a booster shot, I should get to choose to do that. Just as if I don't want to get vaccinated, I should choose to do that, too. The only kind word I want to put in for the CDC, and I don't have a lot for it, and it's really kindness by negative implication, is at least they're counting breakthrough deaths and showing them. Limited though it is, Arizona ain't. Well, they're only counting the breakthrough cases that are hospitalized or deceased. They've stopped counting other non-hospitalized, which would help us understand the real likelihood of a breakthrough case if you've been vaccinated. And it would put pressure on them to let people who want to get a booster shot do so. But I want to pivot real quick. I want to make fun of a couple of Scandinavian countries. The CNN, <laughs> what did they do to you? <laughs> CNN does a great news story a couple of weeks ago how Europe is slamming shut its doors to Americans because the EU said Americans shouldn't be allowed in the EU, but only three countries uh, banned Americans from coming to, to them, and two of them were Norway and Bulgaria. And now two weeks later, we were making fun last week about all those Bulgarian cars. We can't exactly. You can't buy the Bulgarian cars and you can't eat Italian gelato in in Prague. What was the other country? 
Norway, uh, uh-huh. Bulgaria, and the third was someplace silly. All right. So you can't uh, buy Bulgarian cars or eat lutefisk. Uh, correct. Okay. Bulgaria, Norway, and Sweden. Okay. And now CNN has to report that having shut Americans out, who is leading the charge in COVID cases? That's right, Norway and Bulgaria. So apparently, shutting Americans out and uh, losing their money from travel uh, doesn't do very do you very well. But a friend just reported he was in London until three days ago that the British are just as done with COVID as we are. Uh, he said traveling all around, there nobody's wearing a mask. They're just tired of it. So at least our our British cousins see sort of the same thing that their liberty and freedom gives them the opportunity to make the choice. And that's what we're here for. It has some downsides. Not everybody's going to get vaccinated. We may have more difficulty with stopping a disease. But the right answer is, I think, that's the price you pay for liberty. And I'd much rather have liberty than certainty. You know, it's a funny thing about Great Britain when you think about it, right? This country without a written constitution is upholding the constitutional rights of its country, fellow countrymen, better than this country with a constitution that we separated from. Well, that they, they do have a thousand years of experience. Fair enough. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leifson Show. Hugh Hallman and I are debating ancient Greek and Archimedean principles. Uh, Hugh, uh, you had one last important point that our audience needs to take with them. I think so, and that is that uh, what has this COVID pandemic done? It has expanded government and worse, in my view, put a whole generation of Americans on the couch. Uh, The uh, data released uh, from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics tells us now that there are 10.9 million jobs open in the United States that are not being filled, and that of the people of working age, we have approximately 38, almost 39 percent of them not getting jobs. There are more jobs available in the United States than there are people who are unemployed. Mm-hmm. And those jobs are going wanting. Why? My view, I'm, I'm tired of hearing the left say that this is wrong because the data is proving otherwise. Those states that continued to supply benefits to people not to work at rates that were higher than they could have gotten employed by taught those folks to sit at home on the couch. Yeah. Our society is going to die, as Lincoln explained to us, not by somebody conquering us, but by suicide. And this is how that suicide is going to be committed that young people who should be getting jobs at starting job rates so they learn skills to become valuable and then their employers pay them more. The left loves to talk about having a, a, a living wage. Well, a living wage is built by getting skills and talents and putting those to work. Our society will only survive if people put their shoulder to the grindstone or shoulder to the wheel and push this beast. We need to educate this population of people who are sitting at home that they cannot succeed and our society will die unless they get back to work. We've got to stop paying them to sit on the couch and through hard efforts, get them back to work. If destruction be our lot... We will be its author and finisher, Lincoln said in that speech you're quoting from. Hugh Hallman, thanks for coming in. All of you, thanks for tuning in. Make of yourself, for God, a pleasant habitat in which to dwell. And until tomorrow, class is dismissed. God bless. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.